It's time for episode 523 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, October 4th, 2023. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that's 10-4, good buddy. My name is Dan Morton, and I am joined across the internet by my good friend, my pal, my dungeon buddy, because we play Dungeons & Dragons together on the internet, is the one and only Micah Sargent. How are you doing today, Micah? I'm doing well, Dan. I had a nice chuckle from that one. Thank you. Uh, a little jealous, I uh, have to be honest, but... Uh, Breaker, you know, I'll, 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 We're forming up a convoy. <laughs> uh, I really wanted a CB radio for like uh, like a hot hot six months when i was a teenager and like that was before cell phones so they'll really date me there anyway uh this is not the show where we talk about cb radio terms weirdly enough this is the show where we invite on two fantastic guests to talk about four tech topics to my left this week it is my pal writer photographer and late nighter jeff carlson welcome back jeff uh thank you for having me and to my left, it is my pal and the community manager of Micro.blog, as well as the self-appointed guinea pig evangelist. It's the one and only Gene McDonald. Hi, Gene. Hi. Well, let me kick things off here. I'm going to start with sort of a general question for which I have a specific reason for asking. But I'm curious to know, how much do you personally rely on iCloud? Do you use it for some syncing some things, use it for some services, use it for email, calendaring, etc.? I'm just curious to like know how much of your, your digital life is connected to iCloud in particular. Jeff, let's start with you. Well, my first thought was, yeah, probably not so much. And then I started uh, adding it up and I realized that I rely on it for uh, photo syncing. I rely on it for a couple of the podcasts that I co-host. That's where we share files and such. Uh, I, I've got the iCloud family plan. So we're talking about um, that. And I don't know, do we count like uh, Apple movies and things Having access to those, maybe those aren't strictly iCloud, but it's sort of the same infrastructure. And I realized that um, actually quite a bit. Um, fortunately, iCloud never goes wrong and never goes down. So I'm I'm solid, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're all good. <laughs> right? Right? Um, I am a big uh, iCloud user. Kind of, it, It's sort of in the background though, right? I don't use any of the active sort of um, sharing features of iCloud, I guess. So if I've got a folder, I'm not sharing a link to it to get someone else to to be able to post in the folder, or uh, I don't really do collaborative documents uh, in pages or anything like that. But as far as syncing uh, between devices, I do make use of the desktop and document sync gasp. I know um, it is uh, helpful whenever I am using my MacBook Air or my Mac Studio and switching between the two. It's very easy to get to the files uh, that are in those locations. I think the only other thing that I don't use too much are some of the iCloud Plus features uh, that have been added, like the private relay, uh, mostly because I found that that just slows things down too much. Um, so I've tended to avoid that. And I use um, Fastmail, which has its own masked email service. So I don't tend to use iCloud's masked email service. Gene, uh, what about you? My initial response to this question was, how much? Too much. Hmm. Like, I have been thinking about it lately. Like, what would it take if I 
for some reason left the Apple ecosystem or for whatever, what, you know, what a massive pain that would be <laughs> because mm-hmm. of all the things that everybody has said, I use it for, you know, photos, especially I do use sharing, not like extensively and only with Apple people who are really into it because I've found that when you ask the muggles to um, share, let's say, a numbers document, they really can't grok where that document is, and then they forget how it works, and then they end up sending you a static version that was not what you wanted. So I'm sticking, you know, mostly to uh, sharing with people who get it. (laughs) I can sound, (laughs) sounds terrible, but although I did share a shopping list with my father, who is not especially iCloud savvy, and um, he was able to bring me all my items from Trader Joe's that I asked him to when he was coming to visit me out on the coast. So that worked. Um, I asked because uh, I had an incident earlier this week where I lost access to all of iCloud for a day. Uh, and it made me realize how much of my life was in iCloud because not only do I use it for my email, but I also use it iCloud Drive basically for not all of my cloud storage, but probably the, you know, 90% of my cloud storage. Uh, and that was a real problem. Uh, also, reminder syncing, um, some calendar stuff, photos, obviously, like a whole ton of information that I realized I was struggling to do stuff with, um, you know, not to mention other sorts of syncing, password syncing, all that stuff. So it made me wonder, it's like, well, I mean, there's something convenient about it, right? Like, you know, certainly being in the Apple ecosystem as you know, Gene, you were saying, imagining not being in the ecosystem and what a pain it would be like. It's convenient and that's easy. And you just click a box and it all just works and it's great. But when it doesn't work, it's a real problem because you have put all your eggs in one basket. But at the same time, I don't I don't really feel eager to go out there and like carefully distribute all these tasks to different services like I'll put these files in Dropbox and I'll do all my calendar syncing through Google and I'll do like that is work to me. It's too much work and overhead to have to go and, you know, ensure resilience of my own uh, data by spreading it out. And most people aren't going to do that either. So it's not really a solution here. Mostly just bringing bringing awareness, raising awareness of iCloud. to all of these disparate uses of it um but yeah uh don't lose access to your icloud for a day it really it's really bad (laughs) uh thank you all for your answers to that let's move to our second topic which comes from jeff with watchOS 10 apple switched up some key gestures so for example the side button now opens the smart stack instead of control center and now you double press the crown to get to recent apps Actually, I said that wrong. The side button opens the control center. <laughs> See, th- this is part of the problem. Side button opens the control center. You swipe up to get to the smart stack. Uh, you double press to get recent apps. Like, ugh. If you have a watch, <laughs> I'm wondering, are these new approaches beneficial? Or, like me, are they contradicting your muscle memory? I am constantly uh, swiping and pressing and tapping, uh, hoping against hope that one of the gestures I do will actually do the thing that I'd like for it to do. Another problem with this is I don't do a whole lot of interacting with my Apple Watch. And so because of that, I've got many years of experience doing it one way and I don't play around with it enough because I don't need to. That's kind of the whole point of the Apple Watch for me to 
sort of retrain my muscle memory. So I'm, uh, I end up spending way too much time trying to swipe around and stuff. It's very frustrating. Um, Jean, what are your thoughts? Mm, I, I just hated it. I read about it before I actually upgraded. I thought about not upgrading, especially the control center. I, I swipe, I do that swipe or I used to all the time. I have my watch set up for the, for the crown to be on the, the left side of, on, on my left hand, like the, what we used to call the chockenberry flip. Um, I flipped it around and I've always liked that, but reaching to the side button, you know, I thought, oh, I'll never do that. That's never going to work. Well, I got used to it really in a day or two and I'm okay with that. But I will say there's a new thing with the workout that is annoying me, which is, when I say end workout, it says, are you sure? And I'm like, <laughs> no, 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 no. Do not start with me. And plus, if you would really think about it, you should be ending workouts more by default than by annoying me with a question. Mm. Because the whole thing of like, and it seems like you're not moving. Should we end the workout? Especially like, how about, oh, it seems like you're driving. Are you done with your workout <laughs> now? That would be very helpful, Apple. Just yeah. saying. <laughs> Yeah, the muscle memory thing is definitely tricky. On the Apple Watch side, I think I've gotten better. I finally have gotten like the side button thing down. The double clicking the crown thing, I think in some ways I might use more than I used to when it was the side button. I actually don't even remember because I never really used it. Um, But I found myself using it more recently. So maybe that's a plus. Um, (laughs) I do somewhat miss the being able to swipe back and forth between watch faces uh, yeah. A thing I did more, and now it requires yeah, what is a convoluted. Up with that? They didn't want accidentally people to switch watch. Like I, I made this argument somewhere. I'm gonna make it again because I think it's a good one. Which is, I understand not wanting to confuse people who accidentally switch watch faces because it definitely happens. But I feel like if you enable more than one watch face, it should be like, oh, you have multiple watch faces. You probably want to switch between them and just let you do it. But if you only have one, it doesn't do anything. Problem solved. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's my feeling. Sorry. There you go, watchOS designers. Uh, take take my two cents. Um, there's a different sort of muscle memory that I do struggle with more, and it's like attention muscle memory or something, or intention muscle memory, maybe. I'm thinking particularly of like widgets on the Mac is one place that it pops up into my mind because it's like I just don't remember to look at them. Like I don't remember that yeah. they're there or they're things uh. that I could use. It's like, oh, I have that information elsewhere. Why am I why am I going to look at widgets on my desktop? And I think that's it's like a discoverability not that's not quite discoverability. It's like habit forming, right? Like same thing with widgets on the Apple Watch. Is like if you bury a widget far enough down on that widget stack in the Apple Watch, you got to remember it's there and go looking for it and like take the extra time to like, all right, I'm scrolling past the top 3 widgets to get down to this next one. Um and I think that's tricky, right? Because the 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 best part of the Apple Watch redesign in watchOS 10 is like trying not to make experiences too deep because most of the time you just want to glance at a piece of information and then go about your day. Um, And I think that some of these features are in service of that, but certainly there are places where there's still the potential to get lost in the depths. Why don't you wrap this up for us, Jeff? I'm currently updating my Take Control book on Apple Watch. And even though I am doing this a lot, I'm still running into the same muscle memory issues. And I'm glad you pointed out the thing about switching watch faces because, yes, I would accidentally end up with a watch face that I didn't realize because it got you know swiped accidentally or whatever. And now that's gone except now the smart stack accidentally comes up because mm-hmm. I accidentally turned the crown or I you know swipe a corner or something. And so it's it, it's that frustration and then to add on to what you just said, I think 
part of the problem, at least for me, like with the smart stack, is that it has really poor object permanence. Mm. So the idea is the smart stack will you know, sort of show you what you need at any given time. And I don't necessarily want that. I want to know that yeah. if I go to the stack and I, you know, twist up three widgets, it's going to be the same thing. There are just too many variables and I, I worry that a lot of people who aren't doing this kind of stuff for a living are just going to get frustrated and stop using the features. That's two topics down, two topics left to go, which of course means it's halftime here clockwise. And this is the point in the show where I remind you that we sell fantastic, comfortable and good looking shirts. That's right. You can get a clockwise shirt emblazoned with our cool stopwatch style logo. You can get it in your choice of sizes and colors and even styles. Where? Where can you go to get such a fantastic thing? Let me tell you, clockwise.social slash shirt will take you to our friends at the Cotton Bureau, where you can see all of our different options available for you. And please purchase one to support the show. We really appreciate it. And with that, halftime has concluded. And I'll throw things over to Micah Sargent. What browser do you use most often? And what have you done? What have you? Wow, this what sounds very good now that I read it back. What have you done to improve your web browsing experience? <laughs> I'm curious alone. about plugins, extensions, that kind of thing. Jean, we'll start with you. Yeah, I tend not to soup up my stuff if I can't think of a reason to. I, I'm a, a late adopter, a slow adopter of cool things. And one of the cool things that I did adopt, though, was uh, Safari, which is pretty much what I use all the time, is the tab groups. And now I can't live without them. I just love having tab groups. I feel so much more organized because the different jobs that I do, I mean, I have a microdot blog tab group that um, you know, I visit at least once a day to go through the tabs because each tab has a task. Um, I have one for some social things that I'm in. I just have the tabs open up, you know, and then and then they they stay open even if I go over to my iPad or go over to my phone. Um, I love that persistence of tab groups and. I was happy. Now I know that's not an extension. <laughs> it's not. A that's plug-in. okay. No, that works. It's a thing. It's a feature. Um, yeah. And I did go to my my settings on Safari because I was like, I don't even think I have any extensions, but I do have one. Um, I use all, all the time. Apparently, is one blocker mm-hmm. for, uh, and I forget that that's there. And when you forget, and then you lose it somehow, you're like, oh my god, this is what the web is like on a normal basis. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think I can't live without that because apparently I don't even remember I'm using it. I got a handful of extensions. I also have one blocker. The other three that I have in active usage that I rely on are uh, one called uh, Pipifier, which is basically allows you to make any HTML5 video uh, available for macOS's picture-in-picture mode. So if you're watching a YouTube video and you want to like pop it out and go do something else without leaving that tab open and it goes into the little picture-in-picture window you can drag around, that's great. I like that one a lot. Um, Stop the Madness, which is another sort of app that lets you get it, like stop websites from abusing certain types of permissions, right? Like stealing your keyboard shortcuts or um, doing just behaving in ways that are a pain and that they shouldn't like behave in because they're kind of de-universalizing the experience, right? Um, so I like that one a lot. It's got a ton of options and you can set per site things and all sorts of uh, bananas options, CSS stuff you can change, just a ton of stuff. So I, I like that one a lot. It's extremely versatile. 
the other one that I absolutely love uh, and um, I've been using for a long time and it's existed in a couple different forms is called Keyword Search. And it is a search extension where I can define shortcuts that I can type and then add a query on the end too. So for example, if I want to search for something on Amazon, I type AM space in the location bar and just type whatever I want to search for. And it just executes a search on Amazon. I can do that on Google. I can do it on IMDb or even on my own site. So like if I want to find a story I've written on six colors, I have a shortcut that I type SC and then space and then my query. And then it just does a Google search, but only returns hits from six colors. So I find that it's hugely part of my muscle memory and it made me super frustrated when for a while that would not work with the new uh, Safari uh, plugin infrastructure, but the developer adapted it and it's in active use now. And I'm a huge fan. Love that a lot. So that is the thing that just it's I've been using that style interface for more than a decade. And if I lost it tomorrow, I would just be extremely frustrated with everything. I just stop browsing the web forever. I'm done. (laughs) Jeff, what about you? So I'm mostly using Safari, um, and I only have a a few extensions. Um, I have one called Vinegar that Mm -hmm. removes a whole lot of the the YouTube uh, cruft, uh, which is also kind of funny because you watch a bunch of YouTube videos and all the people are like, you know, they point into the corner of the of the window and say, "In this video up here, well, with this, it gets rid of it." So they they just look like they're hallucinating or something. Um, I also have one called Hush that uh, yeah. blocks all the little uh, cookie and tracking consent notices. I have it. I find it doesn't ever works as well as I want it to. I still get them sometimes. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Same here. And, and then I have one. Um, I subscribe to. There's an app called AnyList, mm-hmm. and they have an mm-hmm. AnyList recipe importer, mm-hmm. and it's brilliant because you go to a uh, like a recipe page, and you run this, mm-hmm. and it pulls out all the ingredients, and it ignores all of the you know history of my family eating this meal sort of text, <laughs> and you just end up with this nicely formatted recipe that you can use in the app uh, for cooking. So that's great, and then. Uh, beyond that, um, I also have like a one password extension. But lately, when I don't need to use Safari or I need to you know do something where Safari is not working very well with the site, um, I've started using the DuckDuckGo browser. After people are you know pointing out that Chrome does bad things, Firefox does bad things, like there are so many different ones, and so DuckDuckGo, which I didn't even know was a browser. Seems to be a, like a good. I think it might be a Chrome fork, but it's super mm-hmm. focused on privacy, and I use that when I need something else besides Safari. So I am a Safari user as well. Um, I also use the keyword search uh, thing. It's fantastic. Yeah, um, yeah I, it, it saves me so much time. Um, One blocker is the uh, blocker that I use as well. Those are pretty much the two that I use regularly. I have some other extensions that I kind of uh, enable or disable as needed, um, but I don't keep them on at all times because they kind of can do some annoying things in different places. One of them is, um, well, it's a pair, vinegar and baking soda, which are for 
simplifying video on different sites, including on YouTube. And so you can do kind of, it, it works the same way as Pipifier in the sense that it lets you make those videos into picture in picture, but that's because it takes what is normally that custom kind of YouTube video or other video and just turns it into the HTML video mm-hmm. tag. So any video gets turned into that standard video uh, tag, which of course is then, um, addressable by the system. Outside of that, I do have Stop the Madness, but I don't keep that on at all times either because I find that it stops too much madness and then I become mad uh, because the site isn't working as I need it to. the madness. Uh, Yes, exactly. All right. Thank you for your answers on that. Let us go to our next topic, which comes from Gene. My question is, what CarPlay tips um, or cautionary tales do you have for a new user asking for a friend who is me? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i love carplay um i installed a carplay head unit in my car three or four years ago and i've never looked back here are my things that i have learned one i actually be very careful with your cable and where you put your phone because this is a problem for me more than it was i drive a stick shift and every once in a while mm. i had a lo- I used to have a longer cable and the cable would get like tangled in the shifter because where i had my phone and that wasn't great. <laughs> so I bought a shorter cable, which was very nice. Uh, I also recently bought a, um, a MagSafe mount for like a car vent so I can actually still have my phone in a specific place because previous to that, I just had it in like a cup holder or something, which was also kind of a pain. Uh, one thing, it, there's a lot of stuff that depends on how your car in particular interprets CarPlay. But one thing that I think is maybe true because it's true in other places with Apple devices and audio is... Things have independent volumes. So, for example, you're turning up the volume on um, like audio or like a media playback does not turn up the audio on Siri. Usually in order to adjust the audio on Siri, you have to do it while Siri is talking, which is something I find very (laughs) weird and hard sometimes. Um, So that's another uh, thing that comes up a lot. And then the other is to... um, organize your CarPlay apps so that the ones that you really do use the most are on the first screen because you don't want to have to go hunting around for things. I will say I've had some challenges in the last few days. I think something about this USB-C switch because I had to put a new cable in because I have an iPhone 15 Pro now um, has not played well with my CarPlay unit. It works, but it's weirdly intermittent. Sometimes keeps telling me like it's not connected or something. I don't know if it's an iOS issue or a cable issue or what, but beware the possibility that the wrong USB-C cable uh, will cause problems because they're not all created equal. So look for something that works with specifically CarPlay or Android Auto is the tip that I've heard recently. There's my tip for you. Jeff, what about you? I um, don't have CarPlay and I've rarely ever used it, so I have nothing to contribute. (laughs) (laughs) Gene, my first question for you before I can answer is, um, do you have wired or wireless CarPlay? Mm. Wireless. I I also have wireless CarPlay with my aftermarket head unit. And like the most freeing thing is when I go to work, I put my like laptop in my bag, I put my other stuff in my bag, but I take my phone and I put it into the slot in my bag that is for the phone. And then it goes into the space behind the driver's seat, uh, like where the where a passenger's feet would go and I get in my car and I turn it on and it automatically connects and I can do all that I need to do with my phone via CarPlay. So I would say, first of all, like 
Don't be afraid to like really lean into the wireless CarPlay experience. Now, mm -hmm. if you are going on, you know, a longer distance trip or something like that, uh, if you're going to be using a lot of GPS, then you will want to plug it in, even though it is wireless, uh, because of course it's going to be taxing the battery. Um, and if you just have it in your bag, it won't be charging. I agree with Dan uh, in particular about uh, setting up the apps as you want them. Uh, a lot of third-party apps like to sneak their way onto the system, and some of them are good and some of them are bad. You can also, while Siri is doing navigation stuff, um, you can typically control the volume of that. Some head units Mine has uh, two different volume dials that pop up, um, so you can control them both at the same time. I don't know if that will be the case for yours. And then almost any time you have a, like you start having any connection issues, my recommendation is uh, to go settings, general, CarPlay, tap on uh, the listing under my car that is yours, and choose forget this car and just forget the car and <laughs> <laughs> reconnect God. afterward. It, it, uh, yeah. Turning That's it off go and on again, cars too. <laughs> yeah, forget this car, uh, <laughs> has been my experience. Oh, and, uh, Joe in the chat has a tip for you. If you're expecting a text message, surface the messages app to the, yes, this is a good point. So, uh, depending on the last apps that you've used, they're going to appear in the sidebar on your head unit. And so if the last thing you did was use phone or view, like it, you saw that you had a, a call coming in or something, then it's going to appear on the side. Uh, you want to, whenever you get in the car, go ahead and tap on the messages app. So that way on the side messages will be one of those apps that shows up. So that way you can see uh, the little notification dot appear there and you'll know, and it'll be easy for you while you're interacting with your car to be able to tap on it if you need to, if you're not just doing completely hands-free stuff. I guess one last tip quick is that uh, turn off the setting. I think it's in Siri uh, to automatically send messages because that's annoying um, for you and the receiver, given that <laughs> Siri often gets things wrong. Uh, so, yeah, Gene, take it away. Uh, hopefully we helped you. And I'm curious if you've had uh, experience with it thus far, how it's been. I was nervous about getting into CarPlay because I just thought it's another vector for annoying me um, with things that don't work the way I expect them to. But this is all like with my new car, which I was fortunate to uh, acquire recently. And it's worked like perfectly. You know, I haven't had anything where I go like, dang, it's not working. I mean, I don't always know exactly how to make something happen. But uh these are really good tips. I didn't even think about, you know, customizing the apps and, you know, what I would do with a phone. I think I still think of CarPlay as being something that's sort of fixed and mm -hmm. you can't mess with it. But uh, this, that's really helpful. And, you know, my own tip for myself, I learned um, just in like twice in the last couple of weeks, upgrading your phone, upgrading your iOS ends up, you know, you're going to have to re uh, authorize the oh, CarPlay. Yeah. And uh, so that was my first day of like, dang it, now it's not working. I can't get into anything. How am I going to find this, that, and the other thing? But, you know, somehow I figured it out. And then this morning, even after I put this question into our um, 
you know, list of questions. I This morning I got in the car and I was like, oh, it's not working. This is embarrassing. And then I realized, oh, because you have a new phone mm-hmm. um, and it needs to be, you know, paired. It's, a whole, you know, so those are very basic tips. But for people like me who easily go like, oh, my God, this is terrible. It's broken. Um, sometimes, you know, just remember that it's still a phone and it's still a connection. Um, it's not like some magic that happens between the car and the phone. Anyway, but I do love it. I'm surprised how much I like it. Just remember, forget this car. <laughs> forget this car. Forget this car. Forget about Otto. Um, well, that's I don't know where it's parked. I don't even know if I have a car. I forgot it. <laughs> that car is on fire now. Uh, that is four topics down. Just enough time for a bonus topic. Let me ask you very quick. I'm curious. What color was the room you grew up in, Jeff? It was very boring white, which is why I had a lot of posters. Nice. Mine was trademarked bikini bottom blue. Mm. Jean? Mine was wallpapered with like hippy dippy exotic colors and flowers and stuff that my father thought would be cool. Not restful, but it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> nice. um, mine was yellow. Uh, and I liked it so much that I kind of pushed for painting my kids' room yellow, which it is. So uh, and I, it's very sunny and bright, which I really appreciate. Yeah, it's a very energizing color. Yeah. Uh, so normally, this is the part where I tell you if you'd like to get ad-free episodes of Clockwise and Extra Over on Time Topic every week, you can become a member of Clockwise. What I'm going to mention in addition here is you may not know if you're an overtime listener uh, and a Clockwise subscriber. Um, Our ads have been a little sparse this year, so we appreciate your support even more. And we want to remind you that in addition to getting ad-free episodes of Clockwise, you also get an extra bonus overtime topic every week, and it supports the show. And we love doing this show, and we really appreciate your support, and we rely on you now more than ever. So just go to Relay.fm slash Clockwise. You can sign up for $5 a month or $50 a year. And Micah and I are able to keep doing the show, which we like doing. So thank you very much for all of your support. And in this week's Overtime Topic, we're going to talk about watching movies. And with that, we've reached the end of this week's episode. Thank you, everybody out there for listening. And I'd like to thank our guests as well. Jeff Carlson, thank you so much for being on Clockwise. Thank you for having me. And Gene McDonald, thank you so much for being here. It was a pleasure as always. We'll be back next week. But until then, we remind everybody out there listening, watch what you say and keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye.